Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, if you have your Bibles or some form, you probably won't be able to see your Bible, but uh, we're going to we're going to start off in Romans chapter five and verse twelve. Romans chapter five, verse twelve, and I'll read that in just a moment. You know, every single one of us are born with a desire to do something meaningful with our lives. It was placed there by God who created us. Most of us realize that we only have one opportunity to make our lives count, but few of us live our life with purpose every single day. And tonight we're going to talk about this one life that we all have, this one opportunity that we all have to make it count. But before we do, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you tonight. Lord, for just the opportunity to be able to hear your word. Lord, we thank you for the privilege it is to be able to have fun in your house, God. Lord, we thank you for the just the great privilege it is to be able to receive from you tonight. And Lord, I just ask tonight that none of us would get a a word from man, but that all of us would receive a word from you, God. We open up our hearts, God, to receive from you tonight and we thank you lord that the saints are on their way to the super bowl in jesus name amen amen i'm a huge saints fan even though they're one and two we're turning this thing around all of us every single one of us have a desire inside of us to make our lives count, to do something meaningful, to do something of value, to do something of importance. Is that correct? Every single one of us has this, that that we want to make a difference, that we want to do something that counts. We want to make this life count. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about how we can do how we can make our lives this one opportunity, this one chance that we have, this one life that we have. How can we make it count? It's the most important thing in all creation. The most valuable thing that is on earth is not cars. It's not houses. It's not it's not finances, it's not money. It's not gold. It's not anything. The most valuable thing here on planet earth is a person, is a soul. Our life is the most valuable thing that we have, and we only have one. We only have one. And all of us, I believe, unless unless the enemy has stolen that feeling, that desire, desire to make our life count. So the question is, and we're going to spend the rest of our time tonight talking about quickly, how do I make my life count? If I only get one of them, only get one life, only get one opportunity. How do I make this life count? How do I do it? How do I go about it? And I want to give you three ways to make your life count in this one life that we all have. Number one, the first way that I make my life count, and the most important, it starts here, is I accept what Jesus did for me on the cross. How do I make my life count? I accept what Jesus did for me on the cross. And some of you, whenever I say that, may not know what happened. What, what did Jesus do for me on the cross? Well, we find a little picture of this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And I'm going to read a, a good, I'm going to read seven uh, pa- verses of scripture here. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. 
It said when Adam sinned, we, we, most of us know that we, uh, whenever the world was created, God created the earth and he created man. First he created Adam, then he created Eve. And, uh, and we know that most of us know the story of the fall of man. Whenever Adam sinned, and, and Romans is talking about this in, in uh, chapter 5, verse 12. So when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not, even those who did not disobey an explicit command, commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace, his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But this greater, this is greater, this is, but even greater is God's wonderful grace, his gift of righteousness. For all who received it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person, Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So the Bible talks about good news. It talks about the gospel as being good news. We know that what Jesus did for us is good news. Jesus died on the cross for us, and because of that, now we can have a relationship with him. So the Bible talking about the gospel being good news also suggests that there is bad news as well. So let me ask you this. Would you prefer the good news first or the bad news? Bad news. I'm a bad news first person as well. Like if you got good and bad news, give me the bad news so at least I can end on a high note. So I'm going to give you the bad news first. The bad news first is because of Adam's sin, we now live in a fallen world with people with a fallen nature, a sin-like nature. How many of you, I don't have to spend a long time convincing you of this. You believe, okay, yeah, I live in a fallen world with people that ha- are there are wicked people in this world and crazy, unbelievable things happen. And the bad news is, is we know that all of us one day are going to die. Is that the first, am I breaking this news for the first time to anyone? No, I, I don't mean to, to burst anyone's bubble. I, don't, I didn't know to, if I was going to get the rabbit out of the bag, so to speak, but I pulled it, pulled it out. All of us are going to die. Why? Because we find it in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When Adam's sin, sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death 
So death spread to every single one of us. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're not getting out of this world alive. I'm just throwing that out there, not to be morbid, but uh, all of us one day are going to die. I know most of us don't think about that as teenagers. but So there's bad news, but unfortunately, there's even worse news than that. How many of you know like there's bad news and then there can be like worse news? There's worse news. Well, there's actually worse news. The, the bad news is that all of us are going to die. That, that's, that is, can be bad news. The worst news is that the Bible talks about that because of that sin nature, that whenever Adam made a, dis- a conscious decision, decision to sin, that sin entered the world, and so that spread to all of us. We know that now. But the worst news is that because of that sin, we now are born with a separation from God. We're born. Sin is what separates us from God. And the, and the worst news is that if we die in that sin, that we will go to a place the Bible describes as Hades or hell. And the Bible says that it's complete, utter darkness. It's not cool blackout lights. It's complete darkness. It's a place of utter and complete hopelessness, a place of everlasting fire. And the Bible describes this as the second death. That's the worst news. That's the, that's the really, really bad news. If we die in our sin, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 says, then death and the grave. This is talking about when all of us are going to face judgment one day before God. All of us are going to have to face him, uh, even those that, that may not believe in him. And, and those of us uh, that do believe him will face a, a different judgment. We won't be judged on, on whether uh, you know, we're saved or not. That's a whole other teaching. But it says, Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose names was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, here's what I don't want to do tonight. I don't want to spend all of our time on the bad news. Uh, Many people spend all their time on the bad news. I think most of you know what the bad news is. Um, If you have a a terrible disease, which I pray that none of you do or will have, if you're seeing the doctor, I really don't need to know about this disease. I don't really care, okay, yes, I got I get it, I realize I have this disease. What I care more about is the cure to this disease, right? So tonight, my goal isn't to, isn't to scare you or to make you feel afraid, but I do want you to think about the reality that every single one of us one day will pass from this earth. I want you to be aware of this. I want you to think about it, but I also want to give you hope. I also want to give you good News And so the rest of the time, I want to talk about a little bit of this good news that the Bible describes the gospel as. Here's the good news. The good news is a man named Jesus came to earth. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin named Mary, so that he would not be contaminated by sin. He lived a sinless life and died a sinner's death. So that the death that you and I deserved. So that through him, we could never die, and our one life that we have can last forever. Our one life that we have can last forever. I want to look at two passages of Scripture in John chapter 3, verse 16, the most quoted Scripture in all of the Bible. It says, For God loved the world so much 
that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Romans chapter nine, chapter 10, verse nine says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. Now we know that we have great, incredible news. How many of you are thankful for the good news? I am so thankful for the good news. I am so thankful for the good news of the gospel. This good news, I I grew up hearing about it. I kind of became dull to it, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a little while. But whenever the good news found me and I realized that I had hope in Jesus, everything changed. Everything changed. It doesn't mean that I don't have bad days. It doesn't mean that I get everything that I want. It doesn't mean that I, I drive in a, a uh, BMW. But it does mean that I have hope found in Jesus. And the, all these things are going to fade away. One day these black lights are going to be nothing. They're cool right now. But one day they're not going to mean anything. There'll be another trend that will come along. The one thing that lasts forever and ever is Jesus and our relationship with him. But now, you know, we know the the bad news that we know that that sin spread to every single one of us. We know that if we die in that sin, that we'll perish in eternal fire forever. It's a real place. It's not a made up place. It's, It's an actual place. We know that the good news is that we can surrender our heart to Jesus and live for him. But it's really, really important that you understand this. In America, we have an understanding of what the word believe means. And it's not really the word that the Bible is talking about. Obviously, I believe that this pulpit is going to hold up my iPad. Or I wouldn't have put it on here if I didn't believe that. I like my iPad. I don't want, to, I don't want it to crash. So we think that that's what the word believe is. And in our English dictionary, yes, that's what the word believes. It means we believe something. What the Bible's actually talking about is in a belief a little bit deeper than that. If you... Uh, we're willing to step out and trust something, to put everything that you have into something. That's the word that it's really talking about. Similar to how really more of a believe as is a trust. It's the same way that, that you would believe in a pair if you decided to skydive. Anybody ever skydived in here? Any sky? No? I think you have to be 18 to do that. But anyway, I want no part of it. But it's the same thing as if, as if you go on skydive, you would what? Believe and trust in that parachute or you wouldn't have jumped out or you have some suicide tendencies that we need to pray for after service. You believe in it, you trust in it and you jump out of the plane. That's what the Bible's talking about. It's enough to, it's not enough to just say, okay, yeah, of course. Of course I believe that there's a God. The Bible says that that creation testifies that there's a God. Of course, I believe that. You can even believe, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But have you accepted what he has done for you? And do you live for him? So how do I make this one life count? How do I make this one life count? The first way is I accept what Jesus did for me on the cross and live it out. The second way that I make this one life count 
is I surrender to him daily through discipleship. Number two, I surrender to him daily through discipleship. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. And another translation says, follow me daily. Follow me daily. It's not just a one-time decision. It's a daily choice. You know, the Bible talks about this free will that God's given us. And free will is an incredible thing. God created every single one of us. He didn't want us to be robots. He wanted us to choose Him. And so, for me, I'm not, I'm not trying to force you. If you don't know Jesus, I'm not going to force you to choose Him. Why would I force you to choose Him if He doesn't force you to choose Him? I'm just laying out what's available to you. I'm, li- I'm giving you the benefits. If you want to make the purchase, that's fine. It's actually free. But I have to choose Him daily with my free will. Every day I say, thank you, God, for what you did in my life. I receive it today, and I choose to live for you. In Josh, uh, Joshua chapter 24, I'm not going to read it, but I'll just summarize it. Many of you may know this scripture. He was talking to a few different people and he said, to summarize it, he said, you know, look, you need to make a decision here. Either you'll go back to the gods that your ancestors served or you can or you'll serve the one and only God. But today, choose this day whom you're going to serve. And he says, but as for me and my house and my family, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. And this is a decision that we make every day single day. We're talking, getting back on track. We're talking about one life. How do you make this one life count? Number one, you accept what Jesus did for us on the cross. Number two, you live for him every single day. Every single day. And it's not hard. Whenever you realize that our our God is the most loving God out there, the Bible says that he is love. He is the essence of love. Whenever you discover who Jesus is and what he did for us, it changes everything. I don't have to live for God. I want to live for God. And whenever you get to that place in your life, then you have a true, deep relationship with God. If I don't have to live for God, I want to live for God. Because living for God is better than any other way. That's what I desire to do. So number one, how do I make this one life count? I accept and receive what Jesus did for me on the cross. He died for every single one of us. He died for all of our sins, every single one of our sins. There's nothing too big for him to forgive. Number two, I surrender to him daily. And the last point that I want to finish out and spend the most time on is number three. I deny one of the greatest lies of Satan. How do I make how do I make this one life count? I deny one of the greatest lies of Satan. I find in the church world, especially a lot of people that I meet with, um, I find a lot of people that that believe in God. And I find a lot of people that that theoretically believe in Satan, but really seem to be shifted on the other side. The Bible says that beware, you have an adversary and his name is Satan. 
He comes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy from us. And he would love, I want everybody's attention right here because I don't want any person to miss this. This is one of the most important things I'm going to say all night. He would love for you to buy into this one lie. He would love for you to buy into this one lie. It's the one of the, it's the, the most used lie that, that he uses, I believe. And some of you in here that maybe not ha- may not have a relationship with God, chances are you've bought in to this lie. And it's this. The lie of time. The lie of time. What do I mean by that? He uses time in two different ways. Chances are, if you bought into this lie and you're in here right now, you've bought into this lie, a lie that I, I bought into whenever I was a teenager and believed very much so. The first lie that he uses is, number one, you have plenty of time. You have plenty of time. I mean, you're, you're young, you're 16, you're 17, you're 18, 15, wherever you're at. Why would you waste this one life that you have in your early days living for God? That's so boring. I mean, I want to have fun, right? You want to have fun, right? Fun is not wrong. Fun in the context of what God designed it is not wrong. It's a great thing. We, I love having fun. We, we've had fun in here tonight. But the lie that the enemy would like for you to believe is you got plenty of time, plenty of time. Don't you don't need to make a decision right now. You don't need to to serve God right now. You got a lot of time. You got all of yours here. Look, here's what you do. Okay, when you get married, you're old, you're like 40, you have three or four kids. Pretty much life is is over at that point. It's all downhill from there. Right. Not not really. Not really. Right. And there's no 40 year. Okay, good. Then, okay, then you make a decision to follow Christ. At that point, then you start, you know, you got to be responsible, be the responsible adult and, and, you know, let, lead your family and, and go to church and do all those things. But right now, I have plenty of time. I have plenty of time. And that's what I used to believe whenever I was a, a teenager. Um, I came up with this just, I mean, brilliant, foolproof plan. I mean, it was just perfect. I got the best of both worlds. My plan was, okay, whenever I have plenty of time to serve God, but right now I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do whatever is pleasing to me. But like whenever I get older and married and I'm like boring and stuff, then, then like, then I'm going to serve God because that, that's just, okay, so I get to live for me and then, and then, okay, then later on I'm going to make a decision. Then, it, then it kind of grew a little bit of, okay, well, okay, I, I really like living for me. I'm kind of enjoying it right now. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live for me like my whole life, my whole life and do kind of whatever I want to do, but on my deathbed, right? I'm on my deathbed, then I'm going to get right with, with God. And so I got to live my whole life, do whatever I wanted to do. And then I get to repent on my deathbed, get saved, and then, and then go to heaven from there. So I, I mean, I got the best of both worlds. And the problem with that plan is whenever I felt like and came to the point where that plan was put to the test, Whenever I was 17 years old, 
uh, I nearly died of a drug overdose and came to a very, very close point. And I was like, oh my goodness, here's, I thought I was going to live forever. I thought that, that this, this plan, it, it isn't, it isn't so much, it's not really working out for me. And, and I had quite a, a, a um, quite a fear of, man, is this plan really going to work? Am I, am I really going to, like, can I really do my own thing and then really genuinely repent and get saved? The Bible even talks about that in James chapter 4, verse 13. It says, look here. You say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town. And we will stay there a year. We'll do business and make a profit. And how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like morning fog. Another translation says vapor. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What the Bible was saying is, look, you're banking on all of these plans as they're automatic, and it just doesn't work that way. And we see and we hear these tragedies, right? Of, of a teenager dying in a car wreck, just one of the worst things, or, or whatever, or a drug overdose, or whatever it may be, these tragedies that happen. And what do we think? Maybe you were like me as a, as a teenager. Man, that is awful for them. That's terrible for them, but they don't understand. I'm me. You know, that, that's, uh, that happens to other families. That happens to other people. I'm me. Like, that doesn't happen to me. I'm going to do, I got plans for this weekend. I'm going to do this or that. And what the Bible says is none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not trying to put fear in you. I pray that all of us obviously live tomorrow in many prosperous, blessed years. But the reality is, is if we want to make this one life count, you need to think like, what if today's my last day? What if today's my last day? Not, I'm, I'm not fearful about it because I know I have a relationship with, with Christ. I know where I'm going to go. But what if today was your last day? Would you live any differently? If tomorrow you knew, okay, this is my last day on earth, would you live any differently? The number one lie, I believe, that Satan tries to feed to teenagers is you got plenty of time. You have plenty of time. Live it up. Do whatever you want. You got plenty of time. Then once you buy into that lie, it progresses. You get to that place or you live what you, you know, you may maybe make that decision. Maybe some of you may maybe felt like I did as a teenager. I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time. Then whenever you live many, many years, which is very hard for us to see, right? Some of you are like, graduation is so far away. There's no way it's ever going to get here. But once you live many years beyond high school, beyond college, you're in your 40s, 50s, the second lie that the enemy tries to feed us is, okay, the first lie is you got plenty of time. The second lie is it's too late. It's too late. You don't have enough time. It's done. You wasted your whole life. One of the beautiful things about every single one of you that are sitting in here right now is you have the opportunity. You have the opportunity tonight, for those of you that have maybe never thought about this, never made this decision before, you have the opportunity for your entire eternity to change forever. And that is incredible. That is a blessing from God, what Jesus made a way for all of us. But even, I wouldn't say better, but, but almost on the same level, right below it, 
is not only will your eternity change, but your whole life can change. Your entire life can change. Your entire future can change. Can I tell you this? As a person that grew up in church all my life, I, I mean, I've probably been in more church services or as many, probably not as many as Brandy but uh, and the emails, but, but a lot. Um, I've heard, I heard it all as a kid, or what I, I thought I heard it all. And the danger is you can become numb to constantly hearing messages, constantly hearing things. And I can tell you, for somebody that's lived it, and you know, how many of you know, it is wise, it is wise to learn from a mistake. Would you agree with that? It's, it's wise to learn from a mistake. That's good. I think about, I think about. Uh, there's two different ways, and forgive me if you're not a sports fan. But you'll see if you follow the NFL or you follow, yeah, mainly the NFL. I don't think they really do it in college very much. But you'll see somebody, you know, that that a quarterback especially that threw an interception. He made a mistake. What does he do? He goes on the side. You'll see him with all these pictures, and he's flipping through. Man, what was the coverage? How did I miss that? And what is he doing? He's learning from that mistake. But it's much, much better for him to watch film on past quarterbacks that have already made that mistake. During the week, seeing the different coverages that the defense has, all these different areas that, that, that is available. Okay, he made that mistake. I'm not going to make that mistake that he made. Let, can you please take it from me? I've lived in the world and I've lived in the church. Not, a, not, not the church. I've lived for God. Let me tell you, it's way better to live for God. It's way better to live for God. Take it from me. Take it from those that have, have fallen away, that have come back, that have gotten rededicated. It's way better. It's a superior way of life. I promise you. I promise you. So we believe we, we, the enemy would like for us to buy into this, this time lie. One, you got plenty of time. Then whenever you live quite some time. You don't have enough time. It's too late. Your life is done. You've blown it. Maybe maybe you even believe this lie right now. You've sinned too badly. You've done too, too much. You've gone too far. I was talking to somebody Saturday and, and they, were, they were struggling. You know, they, they believed that there was a one true God, but they really, they, what they were, as we begin to talk a little bit and unfold of what was going on. They're like, I don't really know. I don't know if I can trust the Bible. I don't really know, you know, what's the right way and all this stuff. And and as we begin to talk, that really wasn't the root of, of their problem. The root of their problem is they felt like I've gone too far. I've sinned too badly. I, I've crossed this line that now I cannot get back to God. And can I tell you, if you feel that way, that is an incredible lie of the enemy. There is no line. The Bible describes God as the, our perfect father with his arms open, always ready to embrace us. Always ready to embrace us. There is no sin too bad that Jesus can't forgive. There is no person too far gone that he's not ready to embrace can I tell you, don't buy into the lie of there's plenty of time, but don't buy into the lie that it's too late. Don't buy into those 
lies. Let me tell you. The Bible says God's timing is perfect. And the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, today, tonight, right now is the point of salvation. It's not that I have plenty of time. We don't know what's going to happen in our lives. We only have one life. We only have one shot. And my goal tonight, I hope that you receive this and God, you don't feel afraid. You don't feel pressured. God is God is is perfect. He's a God that will never, ever force himself upon you. He's always waiting for you to accept him and to receive him. So every single one of us, we want to make our this one life that we have count. And the greatest way that we can make this one life count is to live for Jesus every single day. Let's stand together tonight. I want every single one of you to just do me a favor. I don't want any any phones going around. I, I would like for all of y'all to just be focused as we just wrap up right now. In fact, I'd actually like for all of you right now to just do me a favor and, and just close your eyes right where you are. No, nobody looking around. Just to create a private moment between you and God. And tonight... Some of you in here, you may be at that place where, you know what, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt or or I may not know, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, He is the truth, He is the life, that no one gets to heaven, no one gets to the Father except through Him. And like that scripture that we talked about earlier, it says, Jesus came down on this earth for every single person, every single one of us. And how do we be saved? We confess with our mouth and believe, trust that He is the Son of God, that He He died a sinner's death so that I wouldn't have to, but death couldn't hold Him because He was perfect, He was sinless, and He was blameless for us. Tonight, with nobody looking around, I just want to give you the opportunity you might say, Elijah, I don't know if I have a relationship or I do know that I, have, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I want you to just do something really, really bold. Just slip up your hand. Say, I, I, would, like, I would like a relationship with Jesus tonight. I'd like to know for sure, without a doubt, that if, if tomorrow, I see your hand, anybody else, if tomorrow I passed away, I want to know where I'm going. Nobody looking around at all. Anybody else? Anyone else? I want us to do something all together right now. Just just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come on everybody. Lord Jesus, I declare tonight that you are the Son of God. I receive you right now. I accept what you did on the cross for me. You died for me so that I wouldn't have to. And I thank you with all my heart. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now for the rest of us, if you made that decision tonight, even if you didn't raise your hand, I want to encourage you, this is the greatest decision that you will ever make in your entire life. I want you to do me a favor that if if you made that decision for the first time, before you leave, I want you to grab a, a card underneath your seat, make sure that you fill it out, and drop it off in one of the boxes on the way out. And, and if you would, it, come up to me and let, let me know that you made that decision. I'd love to be able to pray for you. And for the rest of us, you know, that's the starting point of this one life, is to make that decision that Jesus is the way. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to give Him everything that I have. But to follow it out, to live it out, we got to make that decision. we got to make that choice. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to choose Him every single day. I just want to pray for you as, as we close tonight. Lord, I pray for every single person in this place. God, I pray, Lord, that, that You would just equip us, that You would strengthen us, that You would encourage us, God. Lord, I just ask, God, that You would help us, Lord, in this one life that we all have to make it count. Lord, and I ask, God, that as we serve you, as we choose you every day, Lord, that we would not fall in the traps of the enemy, but that we would walk and follow in your ways each and every day, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.